Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the most famous words in motorsports. Here to give the command, please welcome our Grand Marshals, Chairman of Gander Outdoors, Camping World, and Overton's Marcus Lamonis, joined by Gander Outdoors special guest, Captain Michael McKenzie of the Upper Darby Firefighters, Local 2493. America, get on your feet! Get on your feet! Let's celebrate our flag, our freedom, in our country! Gentlemen, start your engines! All right, Tyler Head and Dalton Monlocks with you for another episode of the Up to Speed podcast. Dalton, we'll go to the Pocono Raceway. I don't have high expectations for a great quality of race. Nothing against Pocono. It's just not always been a track that produces super exciting racing on a year-in, year-out basis. And I kind of went into this weekend with a similar thought process, having two cup races there. Um, boy, were my expectations blown out of the water because we got a chaotic and wild race on Saturday with a crazy ending. And then we got a nail-biting fuel mileage finish on Sunday and for the first time in a long time, I walk away from a Pocono weekend saying, wow, that was really good racing. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that this is the first time in, in a handful of years where you, you, you leave Pocono and you're like, you know what? I was actually impressed with that. I, I actually enjoyed that. Um, yeah, and I've never been a huge fan of the track itself, the racing that it produces. But th- this weekend was solid. Yeah, no. And Saturday's race was just felt so odd because and we know with the package that they run there that the cars are easier to drive so you don't see guys getting out of shape and wrecking nearly as much we had a lot of cautions for a 325 mile race that you know which of course leads to restarts of course leads to the chaos there and the strategy was all over the place i was completely lost on who was doing what by the end of the race on uh saturday as far as strategy goes now it didn't end up being a fuel mileage finish and then you end up having, you know, Kyle Larson, who's one turn away from getting into the NASCAR record books with four straight wins. I mean, Rick Allen was in the middle of giving his spiel, his line for Larson coming to the checkered flag, and he cuts the tire and runs into the turn three wall and finishes ninth, and Bowman wins. Yeah, I, I mean, literally one turn away from the history books, and um, you know, I think it was, I think Jimmy was the last guy to do it back in 2007. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely not something that happens every day, and and. You know, he's going to have to start a new streak now. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I was – I had watched on um, delay because I was just out and about on Saturday. And um, when he took the lead, I was just – because I was, you know, for time crunch, I was like, fast forward. Yeah. And the next thing, he's he's in the wall. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go back. And obviously the way he, you know, ended up – the tire went down and just slammed the wall. But – like you said before we started recording this, he still finished ninth. Yeah, still. I mean, that was it, hitting the wall prevented him from having the overall points lead. 
If he would have actually yeah. won the race, he would have the overall points lead. He does, and I think he's three points back right now. Um, but yeah, even with hitting the wall, he still ended up with the top ten, and he didn't really seem all that upset about it in his post-race. I mean, he was like, it happens. We probably ran over something, um, which I believe. I mean, you can – my first thought was, okay, he probably ran his tires too hard trying to pass uh, Kyle Busch and then Alex Bowman, but those tires, there was little tiny wear on them at all for pretty much all the cars. So that probably is not what happened. There's probably a small piece of debris that he ended up hitting. And um, just the like with how flat turn three is, I can only imagine the load that gets put on that tire. Um, and it makes sense that it would blow there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and luckily for him, it wasn't, you know, we, you can see some really nasty wrecks at Pocono. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't want to hit the wall, but you know, yeah. luckily he but like he lost brakes or anything like that. The tire went down and he was able to kind of get it slowed down a little bit. But yeah, you know, Alex Bowman was there in the right spot, was able to capitalize. And, and he led, I think, what, 14 of those 17 remain, you know, after that final restart. Yeah. He was able to hold off for a bit and then made a bobble um, going into the tunnel turn. And, and, you know, Larson was able to get around him. But he stole him. I mean, he definitely stole the win. But, it's crazy to think that's his third of the season. I was going to say, while Larson's winning streak came to an end, the Hendrick Motorsports winning streak continued at six races in a row, which started with Alex Bowman all the way back at Dover. And, you know, like you say, he's got three wins now. And you look at all three of those wins, and he kind of, I wouldn't say stole them, but they, they fell into his lap a little bit. So you had the Richmond restart. Um, then you had – he has the, his team has the best pit stop at Dover, and Kyle Larson's not able to get around him. And then – Kyle Larson literally blows a tire in front of him on the last lap, and he uh, goes out there and wins that. So, I mean, sometimes the luck's just on your side and the ball bounces your way, and that's certainly been the case for the 48 team this year. Yeah, and they, look, there's nothing nothing wrong with being a little bit lucky. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, just being – they had a good car. I mean, they were in the, mm-hmm. they were in the right place, to, you know, to take over uh, the lead when Larson – you know, because he could have – I believe Kyle Busch finished third. Was it – well, he finished second, but he was yeah. third at the time. Yeah. You know, look, it, it could have easily have been, you know, uh, we're just going to finish second, so we'll let Kyle do his thing, get around us. But, no, I mean, he held him off and, and got the win. Yeah, I mean, he definitely um, – he even said it. He didn't have the best car by any means. Um, and the, leading those 14 of the last 17 laps, that was more about Kyle Larson just trying to find that right – pocket of air to be able to get to his quarter panel and pass him um similar to what he had to do with Kyle Busch but um yeah you know you, you played the strategy right and that was so they had that last restart and Bowman I believe was in fourth but he took the inside line on the restart once he went to the choose cone because everybody else was picking the outside because that's where the grip was uh, down into turn one and he goes out there has a great restart gets himself to the lead and, and as we know with you know the big spoiler and the low horsepower that even if you're not the fastest car, you can you can really hold people off, especially at a bigger track like that where the air is so important. And Bowman did the best he could and held Larson off for uh, over a dozen laps. And then, it, like I said, just kind of fell into his lap there at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on to Sunday in a much different race, and Kyle Busch ends up winning. That one comes down to fuel strategy, though, and that's what – you know, again, Pocono doesn't produce the most exciting racing, but I can appreciate it for the fact that it is different than anywhere else we go to, because as soon as the green flag drops, the crew chiefs and drivers attack it 
much like an IndyCar race, much like an F1 race, where you're thinking strategy from the get-go. Okay, can, you know, we, we might pit on lap number eight to get to our fuel number for the first stage, or we're going to run a two-stop race, a three-stop race. They're always thinking strategy because more often than not, you don't have a lot of cautions at Pocono. That's what ended up happening on Sunday. And then you had the one caution there uh, in the uh, beginning of stage number three, which put everybody right at the edge of that fuel number, right around 45, 46 laps. And Kyle Busch and um, his crew chief, Ben Bayshore, pitted one lap later than everybody else that was leading, um, um, William Byron and Denny Hamlin specifically. And that was just what they needed to get themselves the win. Yeah, that, that call to bring him back down pit road was the difference between, you know, finishing, you know, outside, outside the top five to winning the race. I, I mean, and, and great call. I mean, they obviously they, they had issues all day long with the transmission, you know, st- stuck and forth here for majority of the day. And I, I thought as soon as, you know, as soon as that happened, he was in trouble. Um, but that's one thing with Kyle Bush, we know that, He's going to fight, and you know, and that's what he did. And as much as Kyle, you know, does not like low horsepower, it played to his benefit because that means that rules package doesn't mean you have to shift at Pocono. Used to be you were shifting several times a lap, much like you do on a road course. So the fact that his car was stuck into fourth gear, yes, on restarts it was a problem. Yes, getting on and off of pit road was a problem. But once he got it up to speed, then he was good. And that's pretty much what happened there. Um, and then it, it fell into his lap that uh, Byron and Hamlin ended up having to pit in those last couple laps, and he had enough gas to get himself to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah, he was able to say, and that's, you know, that's the thing. He's, he, I mean, he's an all-around, all-around great race car driver, but sure. Dave Gas is impressive, too. Yeah, and we've kind of been talking about this over the weeks, but it feels like Kyle Busch has kind of gotten back to his old self a little bit. Um, last year yeah. was a really rough year all the way around for him. He just got the one win at Texas late in the season. But, you know, he's back to running super well in the Xfinity Series, running well in the Truck Series, winning those races that we expect him to win. And it seems to be carrying over to the Cup Series, where I can pretty confidently say, I know Martin Trix Jr.'s got the three wins already this season, but I feel like Kyle Busch is carrying the flag for Joe Gibbs Racing right now. Yeah. Yeah, especially right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know – whatever happens in the playoffs happens, but he's certainly putting putting himself in a, in a better position. And like I said, he didn't win on Saturday, but he still ended up finishing second. So they're showing that consistent speed. So, you know, and, and Kyle Busch being the technically gifted racer that he is, we're going to go to a bunch of road courses for the playoffs. we got more short tracks to run, you know, that we were talking about this before we started recording. There's only six more 550 races this season. So it's really going to mm-hmm. boil down to these technical tracks where talent shines and, Kyle Busch, one of the most talented drivers in the entire field. Yeah. So, um, but overall, um, we are talking about this too before we were recording. Now, of course, Kyle Larson was going to win on Saturday before he blew the tire. Alex Bowman did win. William Byron was in position to win on Sunday, but Hendrick wasn't this super dominant team that they'd been for the previous five races where they had won um, on their win streak. They were good, and they were leading lap, but it really felt like Joe Gibbs Racing was right on their heels the entire time this weekend. Yeah, it's the first time in, in probably six weeks or so where you looked at it and you're like, okay, somebody else has got something for them. Yeah, um, and this is just from what we've heard, but apparently 
after Kyle Larson kicked everybody's butts last week at Nashville, NASCAR talked to Hendrick Motorsports about something they were doing with the noses of their car. What that was, we don't know. Um, and NASCAR didn't come down on them, but essentially said, hey, we know you're doing this. It's not illegal, but you might want to look into it. And Hendrick Motorsports took the hint. Apparently, they cut all the noses off their car, replaced them, and brought a new front-end deal to Pocono, whatever that may be. And again, they were still fast, and they still got a win out of it, but not that just field-crushing dominance that we've seen for the past month or so. Yeah. Yeah, they've, you know, again, they're still, they've still ran well, but like mm -hmm. you said, the flat-out domination where when everybody got out of the car, it was like, how are we going to catch up with the Hendrick guys? Yeah, and, and not – this isn't quite the same comparison. I know we've talked about this before when in 2017, when NASCAR um, mandated that all the splitters be flat at the starting at the summer race in Kentucky and back in 2017, Chevrolet and Hendrick Motorsports completely fell off a cliff after that. Um, Cause Jimmy had the three wins to start this, had the three wins at the first half of the season there. And Kyle Larson was running well and he did get a few more wins later on in the year, but Chevy as a whole just kind of took a nosedive. So, and again, it's only been one week and we've only seen two races. And those with the 550 package, we don't know what it's going to look like with the 750. But if, if Hendrick does kind of start to get, you know, not being as competitive up front and suddenly they can't lead laps and can't win races, I think we're going to point to whatever NASCAR told them last week as kind of the turning point in the season if, that, if it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is you know, we won't know this week, upcoming week. We won't know three weeks from now, but if we sure. get to the end of and, and they, they've only won one or two more races, you'll, you'll be like, yep, sure. they were something. Right. Well, and yeah, I kept thinking about it like this, like, okay, um, I would rather NASCAR tell me this now. We still have seven races to go before the playoffs so I can make this change and have time to look. All four of our cars have won races. They're all going to be in the playoffs. So we now have seven races to kind of figure out what we need to do to make these cars the best they can for the playoffs if NASCAR is not going to allow us to do this, whatever thing that we've been doing up to this point. So they've got about two months of R&D to kind of figure things out and perfect it before the final 10 run, 10 races to the championship. Exactly. So we'll see if that works out in their favor. Around the field a little bit, big weekend for 23-11 racing. Uh, Michael Jordan was actually in attendance at Pocono. And Bubba Wallace got a, his, the team's first top 10 and then backed it up with the team's first top five. And this kind of rolls into what we were saying about Joe Gibbs racing, catching up a little bit. You know, here's their satellite team that is now running in the top 10, running consistently in that top 12 to 10 range and comes away with his two best finishes of the season. Yeah, it was cool to see him. It was cool to see Michael Jordan at the track, number one. But it was cool to see Bubba have, you know, back-to-back solid days yeah you know uh, was able to you know get the top five on sunday and um again it's just it's another quality car that that is you know makes the field more competitive well and for look we know coming into the season there was going to be a lot of um pressure on bubba wallace and a lot of eyes fixed on him for everything that went on last year and then you know, you get the ringing endorsement of this celebrity team owner and this brand new team, and you're driving a, essentially a fifth Joe racing car. So, um, you know, their struggles in the early half, or the first half of the season were amplified more than other teams were. So it is nice to see them finally starting to put things together. And who knows what can happen over these next seven races because Bubba Wallace has now put himself into position to maybe sneak into the playoffs. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah he's giving himself a shot here at the end. That's all you can ask for. Because as of right now, so he's tied with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I believe they are both right at, looks like 48 points out of 16th uh, in the playoffs. And again, that that's a, a fair amount of points, but it's not insurmountable when you talk about stages, when you talk about, of course, once you get at the end of the race. So, you know, in the next seven races, 23-11 racing can reel off four more top fives and get some decent stage points, they can certainly make a, make a case for themselves to be in that top 16. Yeah, they'll make a little bit of noise. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I just think it was, you know, we, we know Bubba's an emotional guy, but I just kind of, one of those situations of not defeating yourself, which I feel like they did a lot earlier in the season. And it wasn't all his fault. It was strategy and stuff like that that kind of went against them. But there were certainly situations where it seemed like Bubba may have overdrove the car a little bit. Um, and that ended up hurting them. But he put together two really quiet races over the weekend. You just kind of looked up there at the end, and, okay, you got a top ten, then got a top five, and that's the kind of things that's, uh, that are going to lead to results. Yeah. I'd say one of the things that I thought – this is it's, – it's on topic, but off topic too. But mm-hmm. I saw it far. Obviously, we ran the doubleheader. He had to run the same car or whatever. Yeah. I thought it was cool. – like he, he ran the two separate paint schemes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool how they wrapped – the Sunday car first yep. and then put the Saturday wrap on top of the Sunday wrap. I don't know. I just thought that was, I'd never seen that before. You know, you never seen that before. It's dumb of me. I, I guess I just figured that they wrapped them on Saturday night after if there was ever a double header, but yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, that's a trick that's been going on for a while. I remember back, uh, I think you can probably still find the video on YouTube, but um, Roush racing put out a video a long time ago, back from 2005 where Greg Biffle ran the same car back-to-back weeks that I believe Pocono and Michigan, and they literally, because it was different paint schemes, they already had the Michigan car wrapped underneath, and they just peeled off the Pocono paint scheme as soon as they were done, drove it to Michigan and ran it there. So, yeah, when you're at a, a – you have the unique circumstance of the Pocono doubleheader where you do have to run um, to you – know, do have to run the same car twice. And, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend to understand what the conversations are with sponsors, stuff like that. You would think that – not having two wraps on the car would be an advantage because, you know, that's more weight on the car and more things that have to cut through yeah. the air. But, uh, again, I'm not an engineer. I'm not an aerophysicist or anything like that. But I would think only having one layer to worry about would cut through the air a lot better. But uh, I'm, I'm sure these teams have got those things as thin as possible. But, yeah, it's pretty cool that um, certain teams were able to do that for the race weekend. Yeah. Um, other teams, and we talk about them a lot, another solid weekend for uh, track house racing. Uh, Daniel Suarez getting two top 15 finishes and that's just you know I feel like that's kind of the benchmark for this team is they're a top 15 team they can finish in the top 15 they've had a good weekend now they've been able to jump up there into the top 10 um and let me see looking at the latest point standings here because I believe he is yeah so he's a spot ahead of Bubba Wallace it's only six points ahead of him but you know, we're kind of looking at two new teams that are going to be in the conversation for possibly making the playoffs in their first year, and that is a really, really big deal. Yeah, I think for 23-11, it's, it's not surprising because I feel like they definitely got up to speed more with, with mm-hmm. Joe Gibb. Um, but Trackhouse has overperformed and then some. I, I have been completely blown away with some of the finishes they've had this year. Well, I think it's benefited them that Chevy and Hendrick Motorsports have been running really well because they are, I mean, that car is pretty much prepared in 
a Richard Childress Racing Shop. It's, it's essentially an extra RCR car. So the fact that all the other Chevys are running well is only benefiting the 9019. Right. So uh, jumping around to some other races this weekend, the Truck Series raced on Saturday. And so I watched this race on DVR because I was out doing stuff over the weekend. And, you know, when it comes to watching a race on DVR, you know, I can, I can speed through the stage breaks, speed through the commercials, and just watch the green flag racing. I got through this race in like 25, 30 minutes. There was, with the amount of cost yeah. that they had, with how short this race was, there was almost little to no substance of the race itself. It's crazy to me that this race is only 150 miles. Yeah, it's just, it was, it's like, a, it's just embarrassingly short. I, I mean, it's just, it's such a short race that you, and then like you said, before we started recording, you throw these, <clears throat> excuse me, no practice. You throw these guys out there that are inexperienced. You're going to have reps. It's part mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, so the longest green flag run of the day was 16 laps, and that occurred in stage number three. But uh, green flag runs, uh, we didn't even make it through the first lap. didn't make it the first corner before that first caution. You had a green flag run of 12 laps, 12 laps, 16 laps, and six laps. So, you know, with the – as far as bang for your buck goes, and I, again, you still have the cup race later in the day, like there's no reason the ARCA race should be 200 miles on Friday and the truck series race is 150 on Saturday. I don't, I don't get it. No. That being said, John Hunter Nemechek wins again. Uh, his fifth win on the season now beats the boss man once again. So I think head to head, Kyle has two wins. John Hunter Nemechek has three wins. And yep. I believe – and all those, I believe in all those instances, Kyle has finished second to him. He has. So, yeah. I mean, we knew how good John Ernemichek was. He's consistently beating his boss, who, of course, is going to be the best driver out there when they go um, out there and race in the truck series. So, ring endorsement once again for this guy to, whether he's the champion or not this year, he's got to be the most sought after guy as far as moving up to the Xfinity series. Maybe there's another opportunity in the cup series. This reinvention of John Hernemachek going back down the truck series is going flawlessly, flawlessly right now. Yeah, it's definitely going to play, going to plan. And that that's look, that's why he went back to the truck series. You know, they said, he said that when, you know, he was deciding on what to do, there was a, you know, an unnamed cup driver that said, sometimes you got to go back and figure out how to win. Yep. Absolutely. He's definitely done that. And I kind of think now Anthony Alfredo doesn't have near the experience that John Nemechek has, but now Alfredo went out and hit the wall. Um, I can't remember if it was Saturday and Sunday, one of those races, but you got to think about it like, wow, John Nemechek could still be racing in that car, you know, maybe bust out, bust out a top 10 every now and then, or, you know, maybe consistently run 15th to 20th, but yeah, you got more eyes on you. You got more people talking about you when, you, when you're going out there and winning races and putting yourself in the conversation. I mean, he's the favorite for the championship right now, without a doubt. Um, now, again, yep. kind of one race, so anything can happen there. Like I said, I don't think it matters if he wins the championship or not. If I'm Joe Gibbs racing, I really got to think about putting this guy in Xfinity car full-time next year. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, on to the Xfinity Series race, which ran on Sunday. Austin Sindrick got himself back to victory lane. Um, there, uh, held off, let's talk about Joe Gibbs racing. Ty Gibbs nearly ran him down in that final corner. He made it interesting. So Austin Sindrick, two things here. Austin Sindrick looking great in defending his title. And Ty Gibbs once again impressing in the very few Xfinity starts he's had. 
Yeah, I thought it was interesting that his that Ty's dad basically said that if we knew he was going to be this competitive, we would have rethought things. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? I mean, hey, look, we know it's a fast car. And when yeah. Kyle Busch and he's going to go out there and lead a bunch of laps and dominate and win races. But, I mean, Brandon Jones runs, uh, runs a JGR car. Daniel Hemrick, we'll get to him in a moment, um, runs the same equipment. Harrison Burton runs the same equipment. Those guys aren't winning. Ty Gibbs is. Right. Yeah, he's out pretty much all of them. Absolutely. Speaking of Daniel Hemrick, he's found yet another way to have the fastest car and lose a race. Um, I mean, he had – I think he had the best car in stage one. Goes out there, gets speeding penalty. Later in the race, cutting his way through the field, gets another speeding penalty. He's become his own worst enemy at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just – how many times do you have a chance to win races and not capitalize? Do you feel like he's feeling desperate at this point? I don't know if it's de- I don't know if it's desperation or if it's just I don't want to say he, it's not like he doesn't know how to win, but it's like the whole John Hunter route. Sometimes you forget how to win. I mean, the difference is obviously Daniel's in great equipment, but sure. I, it's just frustrating. I mean, and it's I just frustrating. And I know we've said that, you know, if he doesn't, this could be his final opportunity. If he doesn't put out the results this year, that could be it for him. I don't know, because this Poppy Bank, the company that's um, his primary sponsor, they were with him at JRM. They're with him now at Joe Gibbs Racing. So, I mean, I guess if he's, as long as he has them, he should be able to get a good ride. But this is your chance to really prove yourself. We're halfway through the season. We're creeping up in the playoffs. He's running extremely well. He's got a ridiculous amount of points. Um, in fact, he's actually sitting – I know he's got the most amount of points for a driver without a win. Yeah, he's third overall in the standings. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he's leading all drivers without a win. And, again, you're in the best equipment. But, you know, if you don't – if you can't win in the Joe Gibbs Racing 18 car in the Xfinity Series after you have a year of Cup Series experience – and, again, he's an older guy. He's, like, 30 now. So, if I'm a Cup Series owner and he's not out there winning races – he's not going to be on my list of guys that I want to bring back up to the Cup Series. Yeah, he's no longer a prospect. I yeah. mean, that's just, the, that's just the facts of it. Yeah, so <laughs> I, keep, I keep thinking, like, this week's going to be the week, and I, it just – something goes wrong. And in this instance, it was – I say it's his fault. Maybe they had the gauges set wrong because it's rare that you see somebody have two speeding penalties in one race. Um but for whatever reason, they had two speeding penalties that ended up costing them on uh, Sunday. Yeah. I did – I mean, because he wore the, the visor cam and yep. go all the way down pit road one time, and it never looked like he was – you know, the, from what the crew chief was telling him and what he did, it looked like he was under the limit, but clearly not. So, maybe they did have it set wrong, and if they did, that's just a big penalty. And that's, you know – they do have the they run the lap down pit road before the race starts when they don't have practice and stuff like that but that's kind of one of the situations where not having practice really hurts you because on practice day you can come make several runs down pit road make sure you get those gauges just right because again these guys don't have speedometers they don't know when they're going 55 or 60 miles an hour they base it off of where the tack is on the rpms and say, okay we need to be right at 2000 rpms when you hit pit road, because that's going to be the equivalent of running 60 miles an hour. So, and again, when you only have that one chance to come down pit road, literally minutes before you take the green flag, if you're just a little bit off, that's going to ruin your entire day because that's going to put you off for all your pit stops. Yep. So, yeah, but we'll see what happens next week, I guess. 
getting mm -hmm. our news. Um, it was last week, middle of last week. We knew this was coming. Jeff Gordon is officially leaving the Fox Sports booth. He is going to be taking over the number two role at Hendrick Motorsports right under Rick Hendrick. We knew this was coming. Um, nobody was surprised by this announcement. When you look at how good Hendrick Motorsports has been, in general anyway, now you add their most successful driver, being more hands-on than he's been able to over the past couple of years, I think this does nothing but improve the team even more. Yeah, I think it's a good time, too, with the new car coming next year. I think it's just a good time for, for Gordon to make that transition. And, you know, when he when he announced he was going to the booth, I, I don't want to say I didn't like it. I just didn't think he would be any good at it. But from year one to what he did it for six years, you know, I mean, to year six was, was night and day difference. And obviously the booth will miss him and um, it'll – but I, I think he's I think it's where he's always wanted to be is, is back at Hendrick and, and a big role. Well, and I kind of think about look at what a difference Hendrick Motorsports has made this year. Once Chad Canal stepped away from being a crew chief and kind of took over a manager position over all the race teams, so now you had Jeff yeah. again, the most successful driver ever to going from yeah i mean look he's still in the meetings he's still been involved but now his singular focus is hendrick motorsports and this team it's only going to be a positive yeah so, yeah and you got to you know think that i mean these next couple of years and i'll i mean rick hendrick's always going to be around and always going to be involved but maybe this is opportunity to take a little bit of a step back and you know gordon kind of take over some of his day-to-day -day operations now he's always going to be the head of hendrick motorsports but you know Maybe he's just he doesn't have it he doesn't have it in him to do what he's always done from a business standpoint, the day-to-day -day operations. And Jeff Gordon can be that person that transitions in to take that over. Because again, whenever Rick Hendrick passes on, hopefully that's a long time from now, it's pretty much gonna be Jeff Gordon's team at that point. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on in news, speaking of teams, Brad Keselowski, and we talked about this when the reports came out. Um, a couple weeks back, but it looks like it's a done deal with him going to Roush Fenway Racing, which would become Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing next year, where he would most likely take over the six car. Ryan Newman's out, and uh, he becomes an owner driver, kind of similar to what Tony Stewart did in 2009, leaving Joe Gibbs Racing, going to Haas, creating Stewart Haas Racing. Now, Keselowski and Penske have not commented on this, but with all the sources that have confirmed it, this is pretty much a done deal. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's an end of an era for Brad at Penske, but, you know, he's always been interested in the ownership. I mean, he used to obviously own a truck team. Sure. Um, he's expressed interest recently, too, about, you know, getting into the Cup Series with some level of ownership. And, right. look, he's a guy who I still – I don't think he's respected. I don't think he's – may not respected. I, I don't think he people recognize as talented as he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people a lot of people think his his championship was a fluke and I know he hasn't won one since, but um he's the type of guy that could get Roush back on track. Well, I mean, maybe this is going on a limb. I think he's the most successful Cup Series driver Penske Racing's ever had. Yeah. I'll agree with you. Joey obviously has a championship. Rusty Wallace did not win a championship with Penske. He won a lot of races with them. But when you just look at the consistency that Brad Keselowski has had, he's never had a winless season racing for Team Penske. He won the championship back in 2012. He's been a constant championship threat year in and year out. Made the Final Four last year. So, you know, I don't know 
where this relationship started to crumble. Um, it, it, it feels like it's been awkward with these two sides for over a year now. We had, you know, there was a lot of rumors maybe he was going to go take over um, for Jimmy Johnson and Hendrick uh, last year. He ends up signing the one-year extension with Penske, which kind of told us, look, he's going to be gone after 2021. If he only signed a one-year deal with that caliber of a talent, he's not going to be hanging on long. But to me, it's kind of one of those, be careful what you wish for if you're Team Penske because you're losing a very valuable veteran. Like I said, in my opinion, the best driver that's ever raced for Team Penske in the Cup Series. So they're already not having a great season as a team right now. They're running okay at best. You lose Brad Keselowski, that could dip your team down even more next year. But I think you're losing him at a critical time, too, with the next-gen car coming next year. So we'll see how it goes for him. Um, I mean, and we'll see how it goes for Penske, what they decide to do with Benedetto, Sendrick, you know, Mm. Is Ryan Newman hard? Does he does he come back to Penske? Well, on the flood of moving, we'll have to the, see what happens. On the flip side of that, like you said, it couldn't be a worse time to lose a veteran like Brad Keselowski for Roush Fenway Racing. It couldn't be a better time to bring in somebody like him, where everything's going to be a little bit of an even playing field. And Brad Keselowski is so smart and understands the the business side and the technical side of NASCAR. I think more than most drivers do. A couple with the fact that. There's a lot of tricks that Team Penske knows that Roush Fenway Racing does not know that Brent Kozlowski can literally bring over to that team. And that's a team that's been running a lot better this year. We've seen Chris Buescher lead laps. We've seen him and Ryan Newman both get some solid top 10 runs. So you put a championship driver like Brad Kozlowski with that team, coupled with this new car and everybody else trying to figure it out, there's no reason to think that they can't become a winning organization again next year. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see you know, how quick that marriage comes together. And uh, going back to the Penske side, now it just creates this giant question mark of what happens with the two car. Now, Penske's not going to downsize. They're going to stay a three car team. They're going to have the Wood Brothers 21 car as their satellite affiliate. Now, the plan as of now is still to put Cindric in that 21 car. Benedetto going to get the boot. He still doesn't know what his plans are. But And obviously, they don't have anybody else in their pipeline. But I don't know... I mean, who else would take over that two car? It, to me, it makes the most sense to go ahead and put Cindric in it, leave Benedetto where he is, um, because I can't think of any scenario for anybody else to jump behind the wheel of the two car, or in that, or if Benedetto still gets the boot and the twenty one car is open. Like, I don't know who would join Team Penske at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The, the most logical thing is just to put Cindric in the two and, and keep Dibby at Wood Brothers, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, now I was telling you about this before we started recording. Benedetto said that per his contract, that Penske has to inform him by August first what his what's going to go on with him next year, whether he's coming back or not. Um, and again, Kozlowski and Tim Penske have not commented on what's going on with him. August first is probably going to be that day we may hear a lot of this stuff come down because that's probably how the contracts are written. So. In a little over a month, we should kind of know where all the pieces are going to fall for Team Penske as far as 2022 goes. Yeah, and speaking of 2022 at Penske, we found out today that Todd Gordon's not going to be a part of it. He's going to retire from um, being a crew chief and going to go, you know, just do something else. And, um, you know, he's a young guy that I, I think is a great crew chief that, um, I mean, it's it was a shock to me when I read it. Yeah, and he's obviously had a great amount of success, won the championship with Logano um, a couple years ago. I'm looking up to see how old he actually is. Because 
Um, oh, well, Wikipedia does not list his age. Okay, then. Anyway, he's, he, yes, he is a, a relatively younger guy. Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably somewhere maybe in his early 40s or something like that. You know, still could have a long career ahead of him if he chose to do that. But, you know, we, I kind of think back to last year when Team Penske made the switch for crew chiefs prior to the 2020 season where everybody moved around and Todd Gordon got paired with Ryan Blaney. And you and I were saying, man, Ryan Blaney's made it on the best end of this deal. He might be getting the best crew chief. These guys are about to win a bunch of races. They've run really well, but they've only had two wins to show for one at Talladega last year and the one at Atlanta this year. So maybe he feels like they've underperformed a little bit because there's no reason that they shouldn't have had maybe five or six wins in this time frame. They just haven't had those results. Yeah, and I think, too, you just at some point in time, you realize it's time to move on. Yeah. And maybe he feels like that opportunity is now. You know, get out before – you know, if you're going to leave, if, you, if you've got thoughts of leaving, why hang around for the next gen car? That's what I was going to say. I mean, crew chiefs are already under enough stress and they're, they spend a lot of hours at the shop week in, week out basis. You, t- you hear a lot of guys like Steve Letarte talk about, you know, when I was crew chiefing in the cup series, like I did not see my family. I did not see my kids. I was there at the shop. I was trying to figure out every little advantage that I could. And when you look at the next gen car coming in, you're basically telling every single crew chief, take that notebook you've been building up for the past 10, 15, 20 years, throw it away. Here's a completely new car that you have to learn. And, oh, we're going to need you to figure out some tricks on this so we can get an advantage over the rest of the field. I would understand why somebody like Todd Gordon would find the right time to bow out being now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, sometimes it's the time to move on. And, and for him it is. I will present an alternative uh, thought, though. Now, he did say – now, he announced this on Sirius XM radio this morning on the morning drive show. Um, he was just talking casually and said, this is my last year on top of the pit box. That – the way he phrased that is important here. If Brad Keselowski is going to Roush Fenway Racing, which he is, that's a done deal at this point, it's not impossible to think that he might bring somebody like Todd Gordon to be in a manager role similar to what Chad Knauss is at Hendrick Motorsports. You have a successful crew chief that knows all these things and nuances and tips and tricks from Team Penske. It would be a great benefit for a team like RFR that's struggled for a lot of years to have that kind of mind overseeing their operations. Yeah, that's possible. I hadn't really thought about it like that. So, and yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I just saw somebody present that alternative on Twitter, and it really got me thinking, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Right, right. What this also does is we talked about with Cindric coming up at the Cup Series, maybe this opens up the door for Brian Wilson to make the jump with Cindric. So, you know, because Cindric's going to be in his rookie year next year, and that way you're not having to deal with this dynamic of a rookie driver with a veteran crew chief and having to figure things out while also trying to figure this new car out. So they obviously have great chemistry. They have a lot of success in the Xfinity Series. Got another win on Sunday. Um, so maybe that's what Team Penske can look at as the best chance for success for Cindric next year in the Cup Series. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We head to another new track, the second one in three weeks for the Cup Series. They go to Road America for the 4th of July weekend. And I know you're not a huge fan of road courses, but Road America has kind of always been one of the ones at the top of my list. It's a unique high-speed track. It's huge. It's four miles long. Um, The Xfinity Series is always really great there. I'm really excited to see what the cup cars do um, at Road America this weekend. Yeah. 
Yeah, me too. It'll be interesting because, I mean, I usually watch the Xfinity race there, but I don't pay much attention to it because, again, I'm, I'm like, mm, I don't really care about the road racing. So, uh, I'll, we'll I'll, see. I'll ask you a trivia question before we get into our picks. Can you name all the drivers in the Cup Series field that have wins at Road America in the Xfinity Series? I know Christopher Bell's one of them because I remember watching that race. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert. A pick for Sunday. Um, I want to. I want to say Keslowski. No, because did he win there on the list? There, there. Okay. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, uh, there are four na- There are four drivers in Sunday's Cup Series race that have won in the Xfinity Series of Road America. One, two of those drivers are part timers. That probably get for the Cup Series. That probably gives away two of them are. Um, you got Christopher Bell right. There is one more full time Cup Series driver that has a win at Road America. Give me a manufacturer. Um, well, he drives a Ford now, but he was driving a Chevy then. Is it Harvick? He's not Harvick. You're, it's, you're, you're not, you're, it's going to take you a minute to figure this one out. Is it Busher? It's not Busher. It's getting warmer, though. Newman? Mm-mm. It's not who you're thinking. It. It's not obvious. I'll say that much. He has a win this year in the Cup Series. Oh God, he drives Ford. McDowell. It's McDowell. I had that duh. That's stupid. He won the 2016 race driving for Richard Childress Racing. Wow. Okay. So that, that was the weekend that he won the Xfinity race, Brett Moffitt won the truck race, and Kyle Larson got his first Cup Series win. All three mm-hmm. winners that weekend were first-timers in, that, in their respective series. Huh. Well, that's pretty cool. Pretty wild. So, yeah, so um, McDowell and Christopher Bell, the only two full-time Cup Series drivers with wins at Road America in the Xfinity Series. Austin Sendrick won last year. Almondinger won in 2013. They were both going to be driving in their part-time entries um, on Sunday as well. So four former Xfinity Series winners in the field for Sunday's race. Gotcha. So with that, we'll make our picks for the Xfinity Series. And there are a few interlopers. You do have Kyle Busch driving the 54 car. Uh, Kevin Harvick going to come down once again and drive in the, I use quotes here, BJ McLeod number 99 car. We know it's not yeah. an actual BJ McLeod car, but um, you do have a cup presence here. Does a cup driver win or is it an Xfinity Series regular? I don't think so. I'm actually going to go with Almondinger. Okay. Um, I feel like on these tracks, especially with the regulars, you're picking between him and Cendric. So I just, I just like Almondinger. I think that, you know, he's a guy, especially now they got a pair of wins, you know, you can go out there and risk it a little bit. So um, go with Almondinger. Well, you're not wrong that when you go to the Xfinity Series road course, it's either Team Almondinger or Team Cendric. So you're going to have to rock with Team Cendric. Okay. To Sunday we go. And like I said, four former winners in the field uh, as far as the Xfinity Series go. Two of them are Austin Sendrick and A.J. Elmendinger. Um, could one of the part-timers pull off an upset on Sunday? I think – I mean, look, with, with road course racing, you know, it's strategy. Sure. So, um, I, I think obviously they're just racing for the win. They're not racing for points or anything like that. So, um, I think they'll de- – I love Cindric on road courses, mm-hmm. you know, and look what he did a handful of weeks back. Sure. Um, 
So for I think that he'll run well. I don't think he gets the job done. So like I said earlier, I'm gonna go with Christopher Bell. He won earlier Daytona Road Course. He's got the Xfinity win at Road America. So I'm gonna roll with Bell. Well, I'm gonna roll with the guy that just won yesterday, Kyle Bush. He's a really good road course racer, had a really great run going at Coda. And like I said, he's really starting to heat up right now. He's kind of carrying the flag for Joe Gibbs racing. He just kind of seems to have his confidence back. And there's no reason why now he's never won at Road America, but he has run races there. So he does have that experience on his side. So um, no reason to think that he can't get the win on uh, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's. So last year we ran Indianapolis 4th of July weekend, but last year was so weird with how much the schedule got moved around. I don't think it really like, set in that oh daytona is not the fourth of july race anymore going to road america for the fourth of july on fourth of july it's probably going to feel weird honestly right yeah so that'll be interesting to see how that feels yep all right we'll be back next week to uh break all that down and then we'll be looking ahead to nascar's second trip to atlanta in 2021 so Mm -hmm. for Dalton Mullinex, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks for listening to the Upspeed Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.